0: Welcome to the Energy Nerd Show, powered by Synapse Energy Economics and Climable.org.
1: Energy Nerd Show. Who's our guest today?
0: We've got Wei Tai Kwok on the show, businessman and climate
1: activist. Absolutely. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Jeannie. Nice to see you. I'm calling in from the West Coast, the San Francisco Bay Area.
0: Thanks for being on the
1: show.
2: Looks like you're in a beautiful kitchen.
1: Well, we are going to talk about uh, what we can do to electrify our homes, and uh, today we're going to share a case study. A little energy nerdy case study of how uh, we go all electric and get rid of fossil fuels from our homes where should we start i 've been an environmental activist and climate activist for nearly fifteen years, but it really wasn 't until about five years ago that I started to hear a new term called building decarbonization come up, and I was wondering what would that mean because by then I had already gotten an electric car, I had already put solar panels on my house i 'm really trying to do as much as I can to be a part of the solution to climate change and the climate crisis, and I never thought it would be possible to decarbonize my home. But the more that I read about that topic, and uh, I even read a report from Synapse that was written in 2018 that was talking about how economical it was if you uh, could get rid of your fossil fuel appliances and go all electric. And really that report gave me much more confidence that it was something feasible, because originally I thought it would be expensive, it would be hard, it would be time-consuming to retrofit my home and upgrade it to all electric, but I—I I was actually wrong, wrong, and wrong. And the, the more I learned, the more I realized that it was doable. So
0: we can link to that report in the show notes, but of course it's out of date, right? And and now it's even more possible and cost-effective to retrofit. Yes.
1: Yes. You know, back in 2019, when I got on the road to doing it, the, there were like no incentives available because it was so new. But I just wanted to try it anyways, and I, I went looking for contractors to perform the work, and it was hard to find them. Many plumbers would want to try to talk me into keeping gas water heaters, uh, or you know, HVAC guys would say, why do you want to switch to heat pumps? Just stick with gas. And so it actually uh, took a little looking to find uh, the right contractors, but they're out there. And so I wanted to share with you my experiences in electrifying my home uh, and then maybe use part of this uh, discussion to share why the Inflation Reduction Act, which was just passed by Congress last fall, opens up a huge amount of incentives for all Americans to now do what I did three years ago with no incentives. Great. So where should we start? This home was built in 2005, so it's not that old a home. And we did our retrofits just 14 years later in 2019. And so I'm going to show you, like, our home had a gas cooktop. We had gas heating and furnace. We had a gas hot water heater, and we had a gas fireplace. So uh, our challenge was to how are we going to get rid of those four gas appliances and move to their electric counterparts. So I'm going to show you three of those today. And uh, the first one is right here in my kitchen. And you can see over my shoulder there is where we had um, our former gas uh, cooktop. Now, we do a lot of Chinese cooking. And that requires what we thought we love cooking on gas. And we were sort of this was probably the hardest thing to do is like, wow, we're going to get rid of our gas cooktop. But but we actually had never even tried in uh, these newfangled induction electric cooktops. So we didn't even know what we we're getting into. But we talked to a couple of friends who said, oh, Chinese friends said, yeah, it absolutely works. And so I'm going to just show you what we learned about this. Um, this is a Frigidaire uh, induction electric. And I, I can actually put my hand on it, turn the stove on to high. And nothing's gonna happen because it's not like there's old fashioned electric radiant stovetops, which uh, would burn my hand right now. It actually, there's a magnetic field created here and it needs to react with the steel pan. In this case, to check if it's gonna react, I get this magnet and see if this is a magnet that sticks, that means this is going to work on this magnetic stove. And so we're going to do a little test here. The magnets are exciting the molecules in the pan to rub against each other, and, and that rubbing against each other creates friction and creates heat. So when I pour this water in here, uh, we'll, we'll check out how how quickly it can, can start boiling. I'm going to point it into there for you. You know, one thing great about these uh, cooktops is they, they don't emit any burning uh, emissions and pollution into our kitchen, which I didn't even know about. From all the gas there. But you see how quickly, just as we're talking here, this is cooking. Now, let me turn it down to 50%. And you can see how quickly the response is. So th- these are really uh, high-tech and very high-performing products that react really instantaneously. And uh, the cooking schools and so forth are all really moving towards teaching how to cook in an induction kitchen. So we've been actually really happy. My wife, uh, is I was worried she was not going to like it, uh, and it, it's been no problem since then.
0: That's not your dad's old uh, electric resistance cooktop.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot of people, when they think electric cooking, they have very negative connotations. But uh, what we have to get to is knowing that induction electric, which is common in, in Europe and elsewhere in the world, just not that common in the United States
2: I'm really glad you mentioned the cooking schools because after Superstorm Sandy, a lot of the restaurants in New York had to temporarily use electric because the gas lines were down. And then they all went back to gas. And we have a restaurant tenant in Cambridge. And I said, look, we want to electrify this building. How can you get off gas? And he said, there's no way the restaurant industry is going to go for that. So I'm really glad to hear the cooking school's reference. Maybe that'll start the transition.
1: Absolutely. Like a major chef, Wolfgang Puck, they are using induction electric. They still use gas sometimes, but the induction electric kitchen is a lot cooler. And so it's more comfortable for the chefs. And also from an energy perspective, since there's not as much heat in the kitchen, you don't have to use as much air conditioning and energy and money to cool down your kitchen to make your staff more comfortable. So it's more economical for professional chefs and it's more comfortable. So it, there is a trend in the culinary schools actually to teach on electric. Um, so so we, were, you know, us as the end consumers, we're, we're adapting as well. And I highly recommend this. It's not that easy to find friends to do it, but uh, come to my house and you can try it. Awesome. We've just moved over into my living room because I want to talk to you about our uh, HVAC, our heating and cooling technologies. Our house used to have a central furnace that was ducted. And in fact, uh, up in the ceiling, uh, you can even see one of my old vents and, and ducts. That's actually been plugged up from behind. And I've taken all the ducts out because I've replaced it with a mini split heat pump all electric unit which is highly energy efficient it can be 200 to 300 percent energy efficient uh, compared to my old furnace which was maybe 85 percent efficient the way it works is i have eight of these in my house that are connected to two heat pumps outside my house the heat pumps bring in heat from the outside into my home in the winter time and they actually work in reverse in the summer time to take heat from inside my house and throw it outside to cool my house. We won't get into heat pump technology today, but that's the way that they work. And they all have a remote control here. I'm gonna just push this orange button and turn it on. And uh, you could see uh, the fans are, the vents are opening up. And then what it's gonna do now as we sit here in the winter time is it's gonna start bringing in warm air from outside. And circulating it inside my house, you know one thing we like about having eight mini splits is that we really only just cool the rooms that we're in. So at nighttime, when we go into our bedroom, fifteen minutes before we go in there, we turn the heat on, and then when we sleep at night, it's not like we're happy to up the whole house like we used to do with a central heating system, so it's also more energy efficient in that way. So we have one in each bedroom, and then we have one in this living room and kitchen area. And so there are eight of the units or eight zones in the house. One thing we were worried about was how noisy they would be since we now have the fan here, but they actually are super silent. Another thing uh, my wife was originally worried about was whether these things hanging on the wall would be ugly looking, but actually, you know, when you end up putting them there, you don't notice them after a while anymore. So uh, I wouldn't say they're that unattractive at all.
2: And are the compressors, are they near the house, away from the house, near the neighbor's house?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So the compressors, so the heat pump actually sits outside the house, and uh, that was a concern also. How noisy would the fans be? But they are pretty quiet. Uh, they're more quiet in the summertime than the winter when they work harder and the fan sound is a little higher. But um, really, compared to the old-fashioned air-conditioned fan, which was big, <laughs> those those were actually way noisier. So I think the technology has just come so far in the last decade, that these are really much more quiet. So yeah, our our neighbor has not complained yet.
2: That's great. And you had central AC before that.
1: We had a central AC with a gas furnace, and uh, we actually had two. We had a, we, we're a split level home with an upstairs and downstairs, so we had a unit for the upstairs and a unit for the downstairs, but we removed all that. A lot of people ask me, hey, wait, Ty, do we have to put these mini splits in or can't we just use our existing duct system and to replace the central furnace? And the answer is yes. You can actually put heat pumps to replace your central gas furnace and HVAC system. It's just that it happened that in my house, the ducting system was very inefficiently and poorly installed. And so the cold air from the air conditioner would lose a lot of its coldness as it traveled through the hot attic and coming into my house. So even as a brand new house, we we never really got cool enough. So uh, when the mini split is inside your building envelope, it's very efficient because it, it takes the air from inside and heats it or cools it right there. It's not going through a duct system and losing energy on the way to its target room, right? So in my case, for my house we went the mini split route. But many homeowners who wanna upgrade their existing ducted system could potentially stick with that.
2: That's so great. I'm curious about your bills because in the East Coast, a lot of people don't have AC to begin with and then they put in heat pumps and they're way more comfortable in the summer because they've been living with just fans. And, but their overall energy bills do go up. But I'm curious between you, you used to have a gas bill and electric bill. So has the total gone down or stayed about the same?
1: Well, that's a great question. And um, the answer is that after we lived in our all electric home for 12 months, a year, I dug out five years of our electricity and gas bills and uh, compared the four years before with gas and electric versus the one year that we had been all electric. And it turns out that the cost stayed the same or went down slightly. And so running an all-electric house was a little bit less expensive for us than having gas and electric, which was what the Synapse Energy Report was hypothesizing for California, my climate zone. And so I was very pleased to see that the research uh, bore out in real life. Uh, But I should also say that we did, like you, you mentioned, use our air conditioning and heating more, and we feel more comfortable now, less guilty, because as I said, when we're in a room, it's too hot, we just turn it on for that room. So I think we're getting those energy efficiency gains and more comfort in the different seasons. So that's, that's been a real win for us.
0: I want to ask about investment costs, but I think first, maybe uh, we should finish the tour.
1: Sure. Let's keep going on the tour, and we're going to stop at one more place. And that's our living room, and uh, because I want to show you our fireplace. This was uh, a fireplace that used to be a gas fireplace, and uh, we almost never used it here in California uh, because it it doesn't really get that cold. And so I retrofitted it myself, took out the gas log set, and put in an electric log set. And uh, with this remote control, I'm going to turn it on for you. You can see that it actually is LED lighting on the front side. And there's a projected image of flames on the backside there. And so this actually is not generating any heat right now for me, although I could turn on a heater and it is really just like a hairdryer, 1,500 watts, pushing warm air out. So if I wanted, I could have that sensation of warmth coming out here. But uh, right now, for now, I'm just keeping it uh, as a visual centerpiece. Since this is a resistance, it is about 100% efficient. And so there's no need for me to turn that 100% on when I have my heat pumps working at 250 or 300% right next door, right? That would be silly. So I actually have never turned on the heating function of this uh, fireplace, thanks to my heat pump uh, HVAC mini splits. One
0: thing uh, nerd show audiences worry about is... um, reliability and resilience and all that. And I'm wondering, um, have you had any issues before or after your house electrification project with regard to power outages and uh, PG&E?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of people worry that if we focus just on electric and there's increasing power outages here in California, for example, what do you do? Uh, my answer is like, what are we going to eat? Well, we're going to eat peanut butter sandwiches and apples and bananas. That's our resiliency measures. But all kidding aside, I do have a solar system, which I installed 10 years ago, 15 panels, 3.5 kilowatt system on my roof, uh, which was enough for the time being at that time. But I probably need to add a couple more panels now that I have an electric car and I have all the electric appliances. Um, I have not installed battery backup yet for my solar system because that would be a solution to what you're talking about for power outages. I could have solar plus storage on premise here. But at the moment, I must say I'm holding out for this new wave of electric vehicles that are vehicle to grid or vehicle to home technology where the lithium battery in my car is actually gonna be used to power my house. Rather than me hanging a $10,000 battery on my garage wall, which I use maybe one or two days a year, uh, I sort of am uh, looking towards that next breakthrough in technology. Now, the Ford F-150 truck Lightning that was released, in fact, does exactly that. And so that's probably the most prominent example of uh, the future of interrelation between EV and homes uh, for for resiliency. The cars are capable of doing it, but the software has not been uh, developed just yet. I hope that in the couple years ahead, that this is not a five or 10 year thing even, but just maybe a two or three year window for the, the ev manufacturers to race in and fill that that need for resiliency but i should mention thanks for asking about uh, solar panels and so forth because i showed you three appliances that i've done the fourth one my hot water heater i'll have to show you a picture of afterwards but uh, after i replaced that it meant that we were using no more natural gas in our house so i called up pg and e and told them please take away my gas meter and they came and i disconnected from the gas grid uh, and became, therefore, a zero-emission home. By the way, this only took me, in total, 45 days from the time that the contractors started working on it to the time that everything was done and the gas meter was taken away. So my original perception that this was going to be time-consuming, costly, complicated, difficult... I was so wrong and it's actually electrifying our home and getting to the zero emission home is much easier than we think as Americans and so I highly encourage everyone to think about doing what I thought was impossible and to just get on the road to zero emission homes and that's really the the core of what we're trying to do here is move away from fossil fuels in our lifestyles and so I actually wanted to pivot and talk about the Inflation Reduction Act And why that's such an exciting game changer that's available now to all Americans, which when I did this in 2019, I I think I got about $500 in tax rebates. By the way, my whole job that I talked about cost about $50,000. Half of that, $25,000, was in the HVAC mini splits, and then about 10000 was in my water heater. This one was the bargain at $500. Uh, my cooktop was about $3,000. And I also did insulation in the attic and gap ceiling and some energy efficiency measures. But today, uh, because the Inflation Reduction Act passed Congress last year, and it's the single biggest um, incentive package that our country has ever done, to try to solve the climate crisis and to encourage end customers like ourselves to participate. As of January 1st, 2023, there are three important things I would leave your listeners with. Number one is that solar systems now have a 30% tax credit for the next 10 years. Originally, this was set to expire and go to zero next year, but it's now been extended for 10 years to put solar on your roofs. That's fantastic. Uh, The second 30% times 10 years is related to the heat pump technology I was talking about for heating my home and for water heaters. Every American now can get 30% off from the price of your hot water heater and the install cost up to a maximum of $2,000 per year. So you can take $2,000 off this year for doing your water heater. You can take another $2,000 off next year if you do your heating and cooling system. And so every American Uh, can have access to the 30% for heat pump water and heat pump space heating. The third uh, big news is that uh, for average income and low-income Americans, you have even more benefit than 30%. For average income, that means if your family earns 100% of the area medium income, you can get 50% off of some of these home upgrades. And if you fall at 80% of the average income, you can get 100% off. You can get free upgrades up to $14,000 per year. And so it turns out that 100%, which is average, I have to look this up, but in the San Francisco Bay Area, if a median home for four person home is $138,000 for the moderate income people to access the 50% discounts, if you are earning... 150% of moderate, that's $207,000. You are already eligible for 50% off to a maximum of $14,000 of incentives for energy efficient home improvements. That's what they're called.
0: That's really a great opportunity. Um, If people want to uh, find out more about the details of the incentives, then should they read the Inflation Reduction Act (laughs) in order to understand what's available? Or is there another way that they can get that
1: information? (laughs) Well, that's a great question, Bruce. Um, That act came out and it comes down to the details that need to be published by the Treasury Department. And they're working very, very hard to uh, get into the details. So uh, there's so much to unpack that we we are closely watching how this is going to be done. And in fact, that last segment of 50 to 100% rebates are going to be implemented by each state. So the state of California has to come up with methods to do what's called a point of sale reduction. That means if I go to uh, Home Depot or Lowe's and want to buy the water heater, I should be able to get my 50 or 100% discount right on the spot. It's not structured as a tax incentive, which I deduct later from my taxes. And that's sort of complicated to figure out for all 50 states. So it's not actually expected that that program will be up and running in all states by the end of the year. It may take a year to access that.
0: Our friends at uh, Rewiring America have a tool to help people figure out, you you know, you type in your um, zip code and your income, and then it does some of the calculations that you, you were referring to.
1: I'm a big fan of the Rewiring America work and their website. They're really trying to make it a lot easier for us to learn about and then access and get these projects done. So I highly recommend going to that website, and I know you're going to post the link, and uh, I can also contribute some links of where people can go to get the latest. Uh, I do think and hope that the uh, installation channels, the, the plumbers and the HVAC installers of the world, that they're going to ramp up on this complicated stuff, and, of course, your tax planners will also be ramping up as well. But I think the the big message here is that for the next 10 years, that Americans should look into this because it's very meaningful dollars. It's thousands or tens of thousands of dollars of incentives, which I did not get, but which are now available for technology that was, uh, as I told you, was cost effective anyways. And when I deployed it, it cost me less than when I had a, a mixed fuel. So it's even easier, even better, it's even juicier to To look into this, call your installers and and check it out. Uh, it's very encouraging, and so I, I I'm ever more hopeful that this difficult problem called the climate crisis is something that we as average everyday people, everybody can do something. Every homeowner can. Uh, get out there and and be part of the solution.
0: The technology's there.
1: Yes, it is. And uh, really, thanks to Synapse for doing so much of the early work uh, back then. You were really innovators and pioneers to really look into the cost. I mean, that's what drives uh, homeowners. Many people are not going to pay more for technologies, uh, but if if they knew that it actually costs less, Uh, pay a little more but save more money over time, and analyze what geographies that works in and so forth, you know, you've done a great service.
0: Thank you so much. I mean, to be honest, that report was really written more for policymakers and, you know, regulators and, uh, and so on. We didn't really expect regular people to be reading that <laughs> report. It's great. And, and so thank you so much. And, and you know, thanks for this, um, what you've done. And um, thanks for being on the show to um, talk about it. And thanks a lot for um, making Shelly Quack, who's, um, Absolutely amazing.
1: My daughter loves working at Synapse. I'm so glad she's there uh, learning all this energy nerdy stuff that I could barely understand what she's talking about.
2: Well, thank you so much. It's good to finally meet you.
1: Absolutely. It's so fun to talk about uh, these things. And I look forward to uh, being on a future show and we can talk about other topics. That would be awesome. Thanks, Weitai. Bye-bye. Check out the
0: show notes for visuals and links for more info on the topics discussed. You can find the Energy Nerd Show on social media pretty much everywhere at Energy Nerd Show or on our website at EnergyNerdShow.com. Thanks for listening.